let's go right to our first guest. And generally, you know, I try to stay away from super polarizing topics because I feel like this is uh, a world that is already polarized and my theory in in these kinds of uh, issues is that I would like to educate you. I would like to put people on the air who have different opinions and I'd like to explore, you know, I'd like to have you make up your own mind about what is the right thing and the wrong thing. And this topic is one that it just is, is a big topic and I couldn't omit uh, mentioning it on my show because it may change things in the future for women across the country. And I'm sure you saw this news story this week, uh, the story strictest abortion law in the country went into effect in Texas. The United States Supreme Court refused to weigh in on its constitutionality, uh, at this point at least. And the law bans abortions after six weeks of pregnancy or when there's a fetal heartbeat, and that's uh, well before many women even know they're pregnant. I have so many questions here. Will the constitutionality of the law eventually be decided, or is the Supreme Court not going to weigh in? It, does this overturn Roe versus Wade? What does this mean for other states? What does it mean for Illinois? And uh, I have a lot of questions about this. With us to discuss this law is attorney uh, Amory Kefletti, who's a director of women's and reproductive rights at the ACLU of Illinois. Uh, welcome to the show, Amory. How are you? Thank you so much for having me today. I'm wow, thank you. And thank you for doing this at short notice. I got back from my trip. I, I emailed, and uh, and you were right there to do that. So I really, really appreciate it. Can you tell our listeners just basically what this law says and some of the unusual provisions uh, on on how it is to be enforced? Yes, this is a really radical and really extreme law, unlike things that we've seen before. There are two parts to it. Um, The first part, as you mentioned, is a ban on abortion after six weeks. Um, And that's well before many women even know that they're pregnant. Um, And the second part of this law is what is effectively a bounty hunting scheme. So it allows private citizens to bring a lawsuit for what they believe might be a violation of the law. The person bringing the lawsuit doesn't have to have any connection to the person who had the abortion. It could be Um, you know, a neighbor, it could be somebody across the country that they've never met. And the lawsuit can be brought against not just the healthcare provider who performs the abortion, but anyone is involved, Um, someone who drives an Uber and takes somebody to an abortion clinic or someone who loans their friend money for an abortion. So it's a very broad reaching law with a really radical effect. Let's take a break, and when we come back, I want to explore a little bit more about this law, what it means, and what the consequences are going to be, and whether or not our U.S. Supreme Court will eventually weigh in on it, and if they do, uh, what's the prediction? Uh, we're talking to Emmerie Cafletta, and this is the Karen Conti Show on WGN. We're talking about the abortion law in Texas, uh, and I'm here with Amory Clafetta, who is the uh, Director of Women's and Reproductive Rights at the ACLU in Illinois. And um, this now this law, uh, Amory, doesn't have any exclusion for minors who become pregnant, victims of incest or rape, or women who have a health risk. Is that is that fair to say? That's correct. And that's part of what makes this law especially cruel. Um, you know, I'm most worried with this law about the women in Texas right now who are impacted. And it, it's so broad and it contains very few exceptions. And the people it's going to hurt the most are, you know, black and brown women who already face 
inequities in accessing health care because of decades of structural racism. And people were having a hard time making ends meet. So how, I mean, what are the st- stats on, on women getting abortion? Just to kind of put in perspective uh, how many people this could affect if this takes place on a nationwide basis. Abortion is a very common medical procedure. The statistics tell us that one in four women of childbearing age will have an abortion in her lifetime. So while there's a lot of stigma and shame that prevents people from talking about it, chances are your listeners today may know somebody who has had an abortion or will have an abortion in her lifetime. We also know that many people who've had them are already parenting, and 75% of the people who seek abortion care are already very poor, living below the poverty level or very low income. So this law is kind of creative in that, as we discussed before the break, uh, it doesn't say that the government of Texas enforces it. It allows private citizens, no matter where you live, to somehow find out about somebody who may be getting an abortion or had an abortion, someone who helped you, the receptionist at the clinic, anyone who may have aided and abetted the abortion will then could be subject to a lawsuit. And and how what does the law say about what would the person suing be entitled to as far as money damages? The person suing could collect a $10,000 bounty um, in connection with bringing a lawsuit, and that's a minimum. This, and that's really what makes this such a radical departure from anything we've seen. Uh, in, an, in a decision, the Supreme Court did finally issue this week, allowing the law to go into effect. Justice Roberts dissented, and in his dissent, even Justice Roberts noticed that this is really an unprecedented law. It's, you know, I was trying to think of what the analogy is because I, I've never heard of giving a private right to people to it, it just unrelated to to the issue, to the to the event, uh, a right to sue. And I was just thinking it would be like saying, you know, uh, I'm exercising maybe the law is that if you yeah, it's it's legal to use birth control, let's say. But Texas is going to make it a lawsuit to for so people can sue people who are using birth control. I mean, it's sort of a backdoor way of outlawing birth control. Um, and again, I'm just trying to use the analogy to make it clear because I know when we talk about abortion, it's it's a very polarizing issue. People feel very strongly about it. It's like the death penalty and some of these other big, big um issues where, you know, you can't see straight when it comes to it because you're so polarized about it. But it, it does seem to me that it's just unprecedented to allow people to sue to enforce a law. Exactly. Um, you know, decisions about how and when to start a family are deeply personal. I'm a mom. These are, you know, private conversations that I've had with my husband. And we all want to make these decisions, in, you know, considering our own personal circumstances and our own beliefs. And I think we should all be concerned about a law that enables anyone and everyone to go around bringing lawsuits, forcing us and everyone around us into court on such private matters. And, you know, I just, I, I, you're, you're a lawyer. You went to our wonderful University of Chicago. You're very well educated. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I think of, I think of, you know, is, there, is this going to bring a bunch of lawyers to Texas to try to make money on these cases where they're going to maybe open up a website and say, hey, call me if you know someone who's getting an abortion because, well, let's make some money together. I mean, I hate to say that because I, I'm a lawyer and I don't like to disparage lawyers, but could, could we be getting to that point? I think it creates an incentive, not just for lawyers, but anybody who wants to engage in this kind of 
vigilante justice to start filing lawsuits and looking to collect $10,000. Uh, you know, we got a call, and uh, uh, Anne-Marie, I'd like to take it. It's Mary. She's got a question for you and maybe for me, too. Hi, Mary. Welcome to WGN. Hi. Um, my daughter was pregnant with triplets, and luckily it was, you know, she successfully carried the triplets, and she had to go to a high-risk OB, and one of the doctors in that practice wanted to remove one of the embryos that eventually was the fetus, and they called it selective reduction on it. So they told her that she would have more of a chance carrying twins successfully rather than having a successful delivery of triplets. And she opted not to do that. And, and is your question, how would this law allow this or not allow this? Was that your question? Right. What if What if she had been in Texas or something? You know, like, would that that law impact on something like that? Good question. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put you on hold, uh, Mary, and I'm going to have Emery uh, answer that. Emery? Um, so, yes, yeah, so the Texas law contains an exception for a medical emergency. I don't, I don't think we have any confidence that this type of situation would be something that constitutes a medical emergency. I think this is exactly the type of scenario that someone who finds himself in this situation would want to make for themselves with their doctor um, and their partner and considering their own beliefs. And the Texas law would take that away from somebody, that choice away from somebody in Mary's daughter's position. Very, very good question, Mary. And thank you. Thank you for uh, weighing in. Uh, Emery, just, let's just talk just briefly. Can you give us a thumbnail of what what actually does Roe versus Wade say and what precedent did it set? If you could give us just a thumbnail sketch of that, because it was many, many years ago, over 40 years ago, that that, was, uh, that ruling was issued. Yes, yeah, so this Texas law is blatantly unconstitutional under Roe and the cases that have come after it. Roe was decided in 1972, and it said that there is a right to an abortion that comes from the Constitution's due process clause, and specifically the right to privacy. So that means that the way that Roe has been interpreted before viability, which is about 26 weeks of pregnancy, the government has to meet a very, very high burden if it tries to restrict a woman's right to an abortion. So this this in in so uh, in giving people the uh, right to sue over it, you're saying that this is uh, in violation of Roe versus Wade in your legal opinion. Correct. By moving by moving the ban all the way up to six weeks, it is nowhere near the you know the viability point that we would ordinarily look at to determine constitutionality. Um, and the Supreme Court is set to hear a case. Um, involving a Mississippi ban on abortion at 15 weeks. The Supreme Court will hear that case later this term. So we were already gearing up for the Supreme Court to consider Roe and its continued um, applicability, and this Texas law has really brought these issues into a sharper focus. Right now in Texas, Roe is basically meaningless anyway. Because it sounds to me like from what I'm reading, the doctors and the clinics are going to obey that law just because they don't want to be sued. Is that fair to say? Yes. And, you know, it's the clinic, it's everybody who works in the clinic and everybody else who would be swept in with this law. So right now, um, abortion care in Texas is basically stopped. Well, just one last question for you, Emery. Um, What does this mean for women in Illinois at this point in time? Illinois has a state law that codified the holding of Roe, meaning that we've written into our state laws that there is a right to abortion. 
in the state of Illinois. So women in Illinois can still access abortion care. The Texas law is really shocking, but um, not that surprising because we've had so many attacks on abortion rights increasing in recent years. And in 2019, Illinois lawmakers passed the Reproductive Health Act to protect the right to an abortion. Interesting. Well, Anne-Marie Cafletta, Director of Women's and Reproductive Rights at the ACLU, uh, thank you so much for joining us and uh, enjoy the rest of your Labor Day weekend. Thank you so much. All right. Take care.